Um, good morning, everybody. Um, we're going to be reading from Micah, first of all, which is on page 758 in the Pew Bible. Uh, but before we start, I'll just uh, pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that I would read this Bible reading with clarity and we would all be attentive to your word and I to us that he would preach faithfully and his message would touch our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're reading from Micah chapter 5 uh, beginning at verse 1. Marshal your troops now, city of troops, for a siege is laid upon us. They will strike Israel's ruler on the cheek with a rod. But you, Bethlehem Ephrath, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be our peace. And the second reading comes from Matthew, just a few pages further over on page 783. Matthew chapter 2, and uh, we're starting at verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and as soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child was his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of the Lord. Let me ask you, as we uh, kick off uh, here this morning, how do you go remembering lines uh, from movies? How about the classic line from Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back? Do you know the line? Luke, I am your father. But did you know that's actually not the line? 
That's not how the line goes at all. It's actually, no, I am your father. Did you know that? No? There you go. What about the Wizard of Oz? Classic line from the Wizard of Oz. Dorothy says to her little dog, Toto, she says, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore, Toto. Well, actually, it's Toto. I've got the feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. You see, we get the gist of these famous lines, but we actually may have them wrong in our heads. And I wonder if we do the same uh, with the Christmas story. We celebrate Christmas every year. We put up Christmas decorations. We give and receive gifts. We eat way too much food. We sing carols. We watch uh, uh, trashy Christmas movies and we attend church. Uh, But when it comes to the Christmas story, the details of uh, the birth of our Lord Jesus, um, despite celebrating it every year, do we have the details right? In our second uh, reading this morning, uh, we met the Magi, the wise men, who have come from the east to find the king of the Jews uh, and to worship him. But have we got the details right or are we a little off? For starters, did you notice they're called uh, Magi, not kings? I'm really sorry to burst your Christmas carol bubble, but the wise men, they weren't kings like we sing in We Three Kings of Orient are. The Magi, they were astrologers, stargazers. They looked to the skies, to the stars for signs. And did you notice there, they weren't three. I think the great thing about that video we just watched is that they only had two. Yes, there were were three gifts, but no number is actually given to the Magi. There could have been two or five or ten or twenty. Uh, and there were certainly no, no camels. They, they could have easily have come on a, on a donkey or, or a horse or they could have even walked. Uh, there's certainly no mention of a stable in the story. We see there in verse uh, 11 that Jesus is actually in a house. Uh, and so time has passed since his birth where, where he's born in the manger, in the stable. He's now moved out of that and moved into a house. In fact, the word that's used to describe Jesus here is that he is a child. He, he's no longer an infant or, or baby. And so he could be anywhere up to two years old uh, at this point. Uh, it's easy to assume or, or think we know the details of this over-familiar Christmas story. But actually, as we, as we look a little bit closer, we may realise that we don't have the details as well as we might assume. And so let's not assume the details this morning. Let's let uh, Matthew, the the writer who wrote this account for us, uh, let him show us uh, what truly happened. And what we're going to see in this story today, this this true story this morning, is that this story is a story of of two kings. We're going to meet two kings and two different responses to the one true king, God's promised chosen king. Well, the first king uh, we see is King uh, Jesus. Have a look there uh, in your Bibles from verse uh, 1. Follow along with me. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. The first king is Jesus, and did you notice that? He's born king of the Jews. 
and Magi, uh, these wise men, they've come from the east uh, to see him. As, as we read through this passage, it can raise so many questions for us, can't it? Like, uh, what was it about this star that appeared in the sky that made them come? How did they know that this star was linked to his birth? How does one even follow a star? And how did they know about the king of the Jews? See, as, as we ask these questions of this, of this passage, the reality is that some of these questions we, we just can't answer. We, we can't know for certain either. Uh, we, just, we just don't know, and the passage certainly doesn't uh, tell us. But, but I think there are a few things that, that, that we can answer, and, I, and I'll try and do that for us, for us now. What we know for certain is that these magi, they have come from the east. Uh, that is, they are likely to have come from Persia or, Bab- or Persia or, or Babylon. See, both Persia and Babylon were these, were these huge empires who in time had ruled over the people of Israel. For instance, Babylon had conquered Israel and they had taken a big group of people away from Israel and taken them to reside in Babylon. And so there were these large Jewish communities dwelling in these places at that time. And so, so my, my gut is that these, these magi have, who love to learn and thought about stuff, they've studied the Old Testament, they've studied the, the Jewish scriptures and other writings, and they have linked a, a star in the sky uh, to the king of the Jews. And so we see in books like the book of Isaiah uh, that are written 700 years before this time uh, that where passages have said stuff like this. It says, I will make you a light uh, for the Gentiles. Or uh, the one up on the screen is, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And so they've seen this great light as this star appears, and so they've come. But you see, the Jewish scriptures, the, the Old Testament, see, they were full of promises. Lots of future promises about this future king, not just about this great light, but what this king would be like, his character, what he would do, that he would rule perfectly and justly. And like we saw or heard in that first reading from from Micah, again, 700 years earlier it was written, uh, we see a king described as a shepherd who would care and protect his flock and that he would bring peace. He would reign forever, and that he would care for his people. Again, from this passage from Isaiah, uh, chapter 42 this time, it says, uh, this is speaking about God's uh, king, it says, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. But what will he be like? He will open eyes that are blind to free captives from prison and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. God's promised chosen king would reign forever. He would have complete authority and care for his people. And so as, as we fast forward to the adulthood of, of Jesus, we see him do just that. He gives sight to the to the blind. He gives 
hearing to the deaf. Those, those who are imprisoned by evil spirits are freed. He shows compassion to those who are down and out, and the dead are raised. You see, Jesus, in the way that he acts and lives in his earthly ministry, shows that he is God's chosen promised king, that he has total authority. But it's not an authority that we need to be fearful of or or distrust. We have been raised to distrust authority. But you see, what makes Jesus different from, from other authorities is that he is completely good. We can trust him in his complete authority because he is good. The, the, the pages of scripture, the, the, the pages as we see Jesus interact with the world is that he is good in the way that he interacts with others, in his compassion, in his love, in his character, but ultimately in his love in giving his life as a sacrifice to save those who trust him. You see, this is the king who was promised and was looked forward to. And this is the king that the Magi, the Magi travelled a long way from the east to come and see. But what's really interesting about the Magi here is that they come looking for the king of the Jews. They say they want to find the king of the Jews. Uh, And that title, the the King of the Jews, isn't used again in this book, in the book of Matthew, until the end. Until the end of the book where, where Jesus is on trial and Jesus is hanging on the cross where he's declared the King of the Jews. And just like the other promises that have been made, other promises were made hundreds of years earlier that the King of the Jews, he would suffer and die to save a people for himself. Do you remember the story of Katrina Dawson? Uh, four, four years ago at the, the Lind Cafe in, in Marden Place, uh, she was one of the people who was killed. Reports show that she was shot while shielding her pregnant friend. She was willing to give her life so that her friend and unborn baby might live. But you see, while Jesus dies on the cross, he does so to save all people who trust him. Jesus is God's promised, chosen king who came to rescue us from our sin like we saw last week in in Matthew chapter 1, so that we could be in perfect relationship with God. Uh, The first king we see this morning in in our passages is Jesus. He is God's promised, chosen king, the king of the Jews. The the second king uh, we meet uh, this morning is King Herod. That is Herod uh, the Great. Uh, Herod was was uh, was named king of of Judea by the Roman Senate. The Romans were they were the empire of that time. They ruled all, and and he and Herod was declared king of Judea, even though he wasn't Jewish. Uh, and he was known as Herod the Great uh, because of of the great things that he had done. And so he was given this title. But the reality was, he was a cruel and ruthless paranoid tyrant he was not a nice man and so while chilling at home uh, one day 
these magi come to him looking for the new king, the king of the Jews. And, and it makes sense that the magi have gone there, isn't it? They're, they've gone looking for the king of the Jews and they've expected, oh yeah, the, the king of, of Judea of this region, surely he's had a child and so we'll go see the king in his palace uh, and, and come to him. But the reality is that that is not the case. Uh, Herod has not had a child. There is no royal cot with an infant inside. There is no handmaidens caring for this new heir. And so Herod, uh, in true to his character, is greatly disturbed. He's troubled in hearing this news. And did you notice there, have a look there in verse 3, that, that all of Jerusalem are disturbed with him. They are troubled as well. Not because they don't want to see Herod replaced. Look, they'd they probably like that. And, and it's not because they don't want the coming of, of God's promised chosen king. It's just that the question that the Magi come looking for their king, they, the people realize that this will mean more cruelty from Herod. Herod was a paranoid man who killed his favorite wife and two sons because of his paranoia. And so it is no wonder that, that Herod is, is fuming at this point. Have a look there from, from verse 4. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them, to f- ask them where the Messiah was to be born. Do you notice here that, that Herod... He recognises that when the Magi come asking for for the king of the Jews, that he's actually speaking about the Messiah. The Messiah was his special title that was given to God's promised chosen king. Even Herod knew the expectation that God's promised chosen king was coming. He knew this king was going to come. And so the Magi say king of the Jews and Herod knows, ah, he's talking about the Messiah. And so even though there are two kings in this story, even Herod himself recognises that there is only one true king. Only one king is God's promised chosen king, the Messiah. And while there are two kings in our story, uh, there are two very different responses to the one true king. Let's have a look at Herod's response uh, response to start. While discovering that the Messiah was 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 to be born in Bethlehem, have a look there at verse uh, 7. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. Herod finds out the exact time the star appeared, and he tells the Magi uh, where the king would be born, go to Bethlehem, that's where you'll find him. And, and he sends him off and says, hey, hey, when you get there, come back. Let me know where he is so, so I can go and worship him too. And Herod's response here of, of, of wanting to, to worship the Messiah is, is the right response. Herod and knows these promises that have been made, that this child is the Messiah, God's promised chosen king. And he knows that the right response is to to worship him. And so what Herod says here is is right. (coughs) 
But you see, more is going on than the words that come out of Herod's mouth here. Because in verse 12 we see that the Magi are warned not to go back to Herod. And at verse 16, just outside of our passage uh, this morning, we actually see Herod's true motive. Have a look down uh, at verse uh, 16 uh, where it says this, When Herod realised that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and in its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Here is Herod's true motive. And true to his character, he never wanted to worship the Messiah. He wanted him dead. The Messiah was a threat to his kinship, and so he planned to eliminate his threat. And so all the boys, two years old and under, are killed, are massacred. But you see, here's the folly of King Herod. God's plans can't be foiled. If God can plan a birth 700 years beforehand, if he can plan the location of a birth 700 years before, then there's no way that Herod can kill him. He can't kill him. Herod should have known better. He's a pathetic tyrant who should have known that he cannot thwart God's plans and destroy God's promised chosen king. And so Jesus, with his parents, they escape from Herod's clutches. King Herod hated God's one true king because he saw him as a threat to his king. And so Herod's response uh, is to want him dead. But the other response we see in our passage this morning uh, the, the, the response we see to the one true king is to worship him. Uh, and that is what the Magi have come to do. After they arrive in Bethlehem, have a look there from verse uh, 11. Uh, On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Uh, in seeing the child, they fall flat on their face in worship and pay homage and respect to the royal king uh, before them. I don't know if you've seen the classic uh, movie, uh, Wayne's World. Uh, I'm probably showing my age, whether I'm too young or old, depending uh, what you think about that movie. But there's this scene where the the main guys in the show, Wayne and Garth, they meet their hero, uh, Alice Cooper, the uh, the heavy metal icon. Uh, And they love this guy and, and Alice Cooper, he invites them. He says, hey, come hang out with us. Uh, To which point Wayne and Garth, they fall to their knees and bow, we're not worthy, we're not worthy. (coughs) The Magi in bowing down to to worship worship Jesus is that they recognise Jesus before them. They recognise that he is of greater power and authority than themselves. And so as they bow before Jesus, they humble themselves in submission to Jesus. And you see, worship is a whole life thing. It's not just a a once-off thing, but a life 
long response. Not just something we do at Christmas time, but something that we do every day of the year as we worship him in life long worship. And so let me ask you, how will you respond to the one true king this Christmas? You might be thinking, there's no way I can worship him like the Magi. In lifelong worship, in humble submission to him. And you might be thinking that because you might think, if I do that, man, I wouldn't be free. But let me ask you, are you actually free? Can you just get up now and go wherever you want? Are you morally free and can do whatever you want? I think the Me Too campaign has really showed that you can't do that either. Are you temporarily free? Can you prevent yourself from dying? If we are honest, we'll know that these things aren't true and that we are not free. You see, we all live for something. What will it be for you? I don't know if you like uh, Bob Dylan, uh, but he's got this song called Somebody, Gotta Serve Somebody. It goes something like this. I've got some of the words uh, on the screen. You may be a businessman or some high degree thief. They may call you doctor or they may call you chief. You may be a lawyer or some high executive, but you've got to have to serve somebody. Yes, you are. You're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you've got to have to serve somebody. You're going to have to serve somebody. Why not serve someone who is ultimately good? But let's be honest, we, we don't want to serve someone. We don't want someone to rule over us. We like our perceived autonomy and and don't like the idea of being answerable to someone. But what's different about Jesus is that he's totally and completely good. He's ultimately powerful, who makes and creates the world by his word. He's not a tyrant, but he is good and trustworthy. How will you respond to King Jesus this Christmas? God's chosen, promised king. Will you respond like Herod, who wanted him dead and didn't want to have anything to do with him? Who, like the little baby Jesus, who's sitting in a manger at Christmas time, but ignore his life-giving gift at Easter and ignore him the rest of the year? Or are we like the Magi who come humbly submitting to Jesus? giving their whole lives in worship to the king. Why don't you continue reading the book of Matthew this Christmas, over these holidays, and see for yourself what kind of person Jesus truly was. You will see his goodness, his compassion, his mercy, his character, and that he is the one true king worthy of our humble, uh, lifelong submission. Let's get the details right this Christmas and let's respond rightly to the one true King who is worthy of our worship. Amen.